It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian world Welcome worldview. to Quantum number 192. Quantum is a podcast that seeks to find out what's going on in the world. Uh, I was. My name's David Robertson. I was on the Janet Parshall show this week and she asked the great question about how do we know what's true when we're bombarded with information on the internet and elsewhere? Well, I suggested many things, uh, including we need a degree of humility, we need to look at different sources, and we need ultimately to get the bigger picture that comes from the truth. So this week we're talking about seeking truth, and uh, it's hard to seek truth when you get banned. The managing editor of The Babylon Bee, Joel Berry, joins me right now. Joel, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Joel, can you explain to me what's actually happened? So it's not as though the, 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 the account has been completely nuked. It's that you're refusing to delete the tweet that they're telling you you have to delete. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. If, if Twitter wanted to go ahead and delete the tweet themselves and give us our account back, we'd be fine with that. But, but what they're doing is they're requiring us to uh, delete the tweet ourselves and then um, acknowledge that we uh, engaged in hateful conduct and promised not to do it again. And, and so that, that's a step too far for us. It feels too much like uh, bending the knee or, or, or capitulating to an ideology, a very radical ideology that, that we don't agree with. Um, yeah. You know, and the, the, the joke aside, you know, I, I don't know who approved that, approved that joke. Whoever it is, they're fired. But, uh, you know, we, we do think it's uh, important to stand for the truth and, 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 and fight for our right to speak it. In a platform now, like the, the story here is that the Babylon Bee had put out, this is a satirical site, they'd put out a tweet saying the Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Now, Rachel Levine is a US admiral, a man who identifies as a woman. So, in theory, the first US woman to be an admiral, just like the transgender athlete winning the, the swimming race and so on, there's obviously a, a considerable degree of fuss about all of this. And I, it's not particularly that issue I'm concerned with today. We are going to do a special on that issue. But what I am concerned with is banning truth because the Chinese Communist Party are on Twitter. The Taliban are on Twitter. But here are Babylon B being banned for hateful speech because, well, for what? And it's very interesting how it's put. They, they, they have to remove their own tweet and, in effect, admit, admit guilt and apologize. So how do we know truth when people are seeking to impose things upon us? And that's how we've got to this stage where you, we've had several politicians this week, again, being unable to tell us what a woman is. But that's one of the issues. Of course, we have to, we will come on to Ukraine and COVID and climate change, the, the ones that come up almost every episode, but there are always developments. But, in, in, well, this event has dominated the news, in Western media anyway, for the past few days. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. 
I'm out here. Uh oh, Richard. <laughs> oh wow, wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Keep the wife's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a GI Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your. I'm going to, okay? Now that is Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. The story, in case you've missed it, is that Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife, who uh, Chris Rock says he doesn't know this, didn't know this, but suffers from an illness, which means that she loses her hair. He basically made a joke about that. And Will Smith got angry. Well, actually, he didn't. Initially, he laughed at the joke, but I think when he saw the look on his wife's face, he got angry. He went up, uh, slapped Chris Rock. Uh, some people thought this was staged, but I don't think it was. He slapped him and then uh, swore at him and all the rest of it, and people weren't very sure what to do. Now, what do we say about all of that? Again, it's interesting because lots of people wanted comment, and I, I wasn't able to to write anything because I just saw everyone else. and. And also, to be honest, why do we care about Hollywood? Well, maybe because they have such influence on our society. But there are various things about this that I think it is worth saying. First of all, the hypocrisy of Hollywood, saying we're against violence, when half their movies are about violence. Secondly, it is completely wrong to mock someone's disability. Thirdly, the hypocrisy of Hollywood in saying we, we don't allow that kind of hate speech or violence because Hollywood mocks all the time. And then there's, you know, Will Smith. I mean, I know that there were some people saying, well, it's good for him to defend his wife. Well, you might think so, except they have what's called an open marriage. They basically can sleep with whoever they want. I don't think that's defending your wife. If you let her sleep with other men, or if you go and sleep with other women, if she lets you sleep with other women. No, that slap has a great deal to tell us about our culture. And all I'm saying is this, if you're seeking for truth and inspiration in Hollywood, forget it. If you're seeking for truth of social media, the big media, internet media companies, forget it. But let's uh, look at uh, an event which... I think has potentially enormous significance and I suspect has not been really covered in the rest of the world but was certainly covered here in Australia. We occasionally do a national anthem. Here's one. That is the national anthem of the Solomon Islands. Never been there. Um, it's 
song, very British-sounding song, actually. It was the British Protectorate Som- Solomon Islands until, I think, was it the mid-1970s. There are, where are they? There are hundreds of islands, six main ones, to the east of Papua New Guinea and to the north of the northeast coast of Australia. They have a population of over 600,000, and they're in the news because the Chinese have just signed a deal with them. And this is about cooperation. Now, the big story here is that if the Chinese were able to build a military base, a naval base in the Solomon Islands, that absolutely threatens Australia and Papua New Guinea. It's an extraordinary development, actually. And, you know, it's interesting. In the Second World War, there were some major battles fought in the Solomon Islands, Guadalcanal and, and others, because the Japanese wanted to establish military bases there. It appears that the Chinese don't need to fight in order to get their, these bases. They just need to spend money. And that's a pattern that's being repeated throughout the world. Incidentally, whilst the world is distracted by Russia and Ukraine, the Chinese did military exercises over Vietnam and North Korea fired their biggest ballistic missile yet. I think um, wars and rumours of wars. As regards COVID, by the way, we'll come back to it in a minute, but in China, let's stick with China, millions of people in Shanghai, China's financial club, have been locked down because of about 3,500 new confirmed cases. Um, We'll see. I, I don't believe that China will be able to stop Omicron. But as we've seen before, this also has enormous implications for the world economy. Right, let's move to the United States. Uh, the Supreme Court Judge, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Now again, as I said before, I honestly don't care about her skin colour other than that I think it's a good thing that uh, somebody from an African-American background is considered for this position. I don't care about her gender. But I do care that she's really able to answer the most basic of questions on subjects she's going to be dealing with. And last week she saw that she wouldn't say, or she said she couldn't say what a woman was because she wasn't a biologist. In her hearing, she was asked this, when does equal protection of the law attach to a human being? And her answer, well, Senator, mm, I believe that the Supreme Court mm, actually... I actually don't know the answer to that question, sorry. So here is a judge who's going to be asked to rule on this question, and she says she doesn't know. How can you have equal protection under the law if the judges can't even say who that applies to? All right. um, China, Australia, the Solomon Islands, America. Let's come to Europe. And let's come to France. And actually, I've been thinking about this a bit. The the French Huguenots, let's play their battle song, which was, some of it anyway, Psalm 68. Here's the Huguenot version of that. (laughs) 
Now, the French language is a wonderful and beautiful language. Uh, I wish I could speak it as well as my daughter. Uh, but the French election is coming up. And it looked as though Macron was just going to walk this, not least because, I, I have to say this, I think his role in the Ukraine crisis has actually been rather good. And I think he's got a better grasp of how things work than Biden or Johnson or any of the others. And I think it's good that he's kept an open door to Putin. Because at the end of the day, despite what people may say, and the ridiculous ideas that somehow, that, that oh, hey, let's, let's kill Putin and everything will be fine. I actually had somebody write and say, if we killed Putin, no more Ukrainians would be killed. That level of naivety is astonishing. But Macron's better than that. And it's interesting that uh, I thought he was going to walk it. But... The recent polls are fascinating, and I think we should pray for the French election before it happens. Support for Macron is down from 335 to 27%, and for Le Pen, Jean-Marie, it's not Jean-Marie, sorry, his daughter, Le Pen, it's up from 16 to 21%. Now, there's a long, long way to go. But, but, it does look as though it could be possible that she could end up being the person, not Zimur or any of the others, opposing Macron. And there is then a real possibility that she could win it. So France is a very important country and we pray for our French brothers and sisters and any of you who are in France what I love about this podcast is how people from different countries contact me to either correct me or to add information or to thank or to criticize for what I've said about their country. Okay, we can't stay away from it. Um, Ukraine, of course. Let me just come up to date with some of the, the, the recent developments. Russia has promised to reduce its military activity near Kiev as there's discussions of a possible ceasefire. People are being cynical about this. Other people are pointing out that the Russians are making no advance in Kiev. And yet others point out that in actual fact, uh, Mariupol has fallen to the Russians. The Russians' main concern is to get hold of the east of the country and to control the Black Sea and the Azov coast. And it looks as though they've been successful in doing that at enormous cost. But I think my, my prayer is just that we pray for peace. Uh, another interesting development that's not been much reported. There is a threat of a renewed war between Azerbaijan and Armenia. Azerbaijan, un undoubtedly spurred on by Turkey, is seeing the opportunity to attack Armenia because Armenia's traditional defenders, the Russians, are somewhat busy elsewhere. And then another development that is just interesting how it's reported and how we know what truth is. I saw the headline, Ukraine begins shelling Russian territory. Now, how this gets reported is when Ukraine shells Russian territory, it's, you know, aiming at military targets. When it's the other way around, it's the Russians aiming at civilian targets. Now, maybe the Russians don't care about civilian targets. Or maybe when you fire weapons at military targets, which, which are in civilian areas, you're going to hit civilians as well. But it's, I just, as I said many times, we just want peace. 
And then, again, a fascinating thing how it was reported. Do you remember Joe Biden talking about the ruble uh, had plummeted? in Before Putin marched on Ukraine, a ruble was worth $0.12. By the 8th of March, it had plummeted to half that, 0 0.07. And Biden was talking about this and saying this is the effect. But now you'd think it would have gone lower or completely collapsed. The rubles actually advanced back to where it was before the invasion. And if you wanted to make money, the Moscow exchange, uh, stock exchange stood at 3,646 on the 16th of February. By the 24th of February, it reached 1,943. It's gone back up to around 2,400. And it means that uh, if, you, if you invested at that level, made a lot of money. So why are the sanctions not totally destroying the Russian economy? Because the Russians don't care really about our luxury goods, but we need their oil. A billion dollars a day from the West are still being paid to Russia for oil and gas. Um, China and India are very happy to take advantage of discounts that the Russians are offering. Another aspect of the war, and this is very important, and again, how things are reported. How do we know the truth? Remember the Hunter Biden thing? Remember we were told by fact-checkers that the Hunter Biden laptop was not true, and now we've been told by the New York Times and others that it is true, that Hunter Biden misused his position, uh, as this laptop shows. Now, there's a fascinating incident this week, and again, I'm just wondering how many of you have heard about it. On Thursday, the Russian government held a press conference claiming that Hunter Biden helped finance a U.S. military bioweapons research program in Ukraine. This was immediately dismissed as propaganda. But the Daily Mail, and I'll put a link to this, dailymail.com, have got uh, emails and correspondence from Hunter Biden's lap abandoned laptop which show that the claims may well be true. They show he helped secure millions of dollars of funding for Metabiota, a Department of Defense contractor specializing in research on pandemic-causing diseases. He also introduced Metabiota to an allegedly corrupt Ukrainian gas firm, Borisma, for a science project involving high biosecurity level labs in Ukraine. Hunter Biden and his colleagues invested half a million dollars in Metabiota through their firm, Rosemount Seneca Technology Partners. And they also raised several million dollars of funding for the company from investment giants, including Goldman Sachs. So, the son of the current US president raised funds to enable a chemical weapons, if not chemical weapons, a, research, a chemical research program into pandemic stuff in Ukraine. It's extraordinary. It's really extraordinary. And yet because the media feel they have to take sides, this kind of thing doesn't, doesn't get reported, does it? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'd all heard this. Uh, incidentally, on the Russophobia, and again within the war, it's just so horrible. There's like horrible stories coming out about uh, Russian soldiers raping and so on. Um, in Germany, the letter Z. There's, Germany has warned that using a Z symbol to declare support for the Russian invasion of Ukraine 
can be punished with up to three years in prison. The letters is thought to stand for Zapobedu, which stands for victory. Um, the Zurich Insurance Group are going to change their advertising. I heard someone say, well, what about zebras and zombies and zinc? Yeah, madness. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Ah. <gasps> He's a spook. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing Disney's to Toy Story. I thought it, was, it would be wonderful. And then Disney have done this. Um, they're going to have a story called Lightyear, which is a, a spin-off from Toy Story based around Buzz. And it was going to be a Disney film with a same-sex kiss. And then that was removed. And then Disney employees objected. And now it's been added back in. My colleague Steve McAlpine has a, a wonderful uh, article about that, and I'll put a link to it. But look what's happening. In truth and propaganda, they're using children's films in order to teach their particular view of sexuality. Here's my last... Uh, you, well, no, this isn't a Ukraine thing, actually. This is from Bernie Saunders. We talk a lot about Russian oligarchy, and that is certainly true, but anybody who thinks that we don't have an oligarchy in this country is surely mistaken. In our country today, we have two people who own more wealth than the bottom 40% of the American population, and the top 1% owns more wealth than the bottom 92%. Over 700 billionaires in America became nearly $2 trillion richer during the pandemic. You know this? You may not have a lot of time for Bernie Saunders. It's hard to argue against that, though, isn't it? All right, let's just do something on climate change. But we, we, we begin with Rush. I play that because um, one of the things that's happening in Germany is fascinating. There is a German group called uh, Naturbund Deutschland, NABU, which was always arguing for wind farms, and now they're arguing against them, especially in forests, because basically Germany's forests are being destroyed. These wonderful forests in Germany have been cleared. Many of them are being cleared away to make way for massive industrial wind parks. Climate change hysteria does so much harm. We had that this week as well. And again, reporting the truth. So how do we know that climate change is happening or not happening? Well, you get re you get, things get reported, like, for example, that there was a massive bleaching incidence at the Great Barrier Reef and that um, there were massive heat waves at both poles. 
Well, you need to remember this. The South Pole had its coldest six-month winter since records began, and the coral at the Great Barrier Reef has been growing furiously in recent years and could be at a near 100-year high. So how do you put those two things together? Firstly, the report about the North Pole was from a weather station 800 kilometres away, and it was based, guess what? Not on actual facts and figures, but modelling. That's right, modelling. Uh, the same on the, on the south side, in, in, sorry, in the Antarctic. There, when you check the data on the again, that was based on modelling, a computer model called the Global Forecast System. They found no evidence at the Amundsen-Scott South Pole Station, no evidence of any heat wave from March the 17th to the 22nd, bar a very small rise to minus 56 degrees on the morning of March the 18th. Four days later, they checked, and the so-called heat wave had gone. What about the coral bleaching? The coral bleaching was an aerial survey, which can only reliably observe shallow corals down to about five meters. And those are the areas that are affected by temporary seasonal changes in water temperature and the usually temporary bleaching they cause. But it doesn't matter. It fits in to the story that people want to tell. All right, here's one of my favorite songs. That's The Seeker, of course, by The Who. And I've been reading a book by Oz Guinness, and I want to finish with this. Oz has, says this, We humans are a unique life form on the earth. We are the only species that asks why. We are aware to a degree that no other animal appears to be, yet we know too that we are in a world that doesn't explain itself. We ask questions. He goes on, seduced by the illusion of comfortable tinkering, modern societies are ambling forward and blundering around, heedless of the big questions in life, and blind to the massive problems mounting both internally and externally. For anyone sobered by the thought that, as I said, we stand post-Auschwitz, post-Hiroshima, and pre-singularity, it is clear that humanity is now calling itself into question as never before in history. We're seeing that, aren't we? We're seeing that in terms of what is a human being, what is a woman, what about the planet, what about climate change, and so on. Then Guinness goes on to say this, At such a moment, it is imperative to raise the big questions, the ultimate problems, and the deepest human needs. Well, that is true. We are seeking. We are seekers. And we need to seek the truth. And ultimately, the truth is found in Christ. You get the bigger picture. That helps you hold on to and grasp something of the things that we do not know, like where many of the issues we've discussed this week are going.
All right, I'm going to leave you with Casting Crowns, the voice of truth. Uh, Please feel free to join me next week. Feel free to support on the Podbean fundraiser. Feel free to make any comments, criticisms, questions. Give me any information. It's always appreciated. And uh, God bless you. Seek the truth and you shall be free. Know the truth and you shall be free. God bless you and see you next week. Bye. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat and then under the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and is holding out his hand. But the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed The ways they keep on telling me time and time again Boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth tells me a different story The voice of truth says do not be afraid of truth says this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth Oh what I would do to have kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant with just a sling and a stone surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor wishing they'd have had the strength to stand but the giants calling out my name and it laughs at me reminding me of all the times tried before and failed The giant keeps on telling me time and time again Boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth tells me a different story The voice of truth says do not be afraid And the voice of truth Truth
to 